Hello, and welcome to How About We Do This Together, a podcast ministry of the Northwest Christian Network. I'm Chad Decay, and my co-host is my wife, Becca, and other incredible leaders of the restoration movement of churches. This is a podcast where we cast the net and see what truth we can bring in. Say, how about we do this together? Hey, this is Sean Bitzer, and I'm the director of the Northwest Christian One Day. The Northwest Christian One Day is a gathering we put on every October for all church staff. And I want to invite you or a staff member at your church or a friend who's a staff member at a nearby church or in another community to join us this year, Tuesday, October 11th. You see, we, we've seen publicly and, and devastatingly, many of us have experienced privately the catastrophic impact of unhealthy leadership in the local church. I'm sure that we've all had to navigate the cynical views expressed by so many in our community because of stories that they've heard or, or even themselves experienced around unhealthy and even abusive leadership in local churches. We as the church, we as the bride of Christ, have to find a way to do better for his glory. So this year, uh, we've invited in three people with beautifully different stories and thoughts. I hope you'll plan to join us Tuesday, October 11th, as we discuss what healthy leadership looks like and how to navigate unhealthy leadership with voices like Rick McKinley of Imago Dei Church and Chris Yarko of the Willamette Family of Churches and, and, and Danny Clinton of Kessid Church. I hope you'll plan to join us and, and invite a coworker, invite a peer, invite a friend from uh, another church or from your church, a, a staff member from somewhere to join us this, this Tuesday, October 11th. It all begins at 9 a.m. and it ends with a killer lunch served at 1 p.m. You'll find all the info and registration that you need at nwchristiannetwork.com or you can jump straight to our event page by going to nwchristiannetwork.com slash one day. One day, all one word. I hope to see you there October 11th. Hi, everyone. This is uh, Matt Holmes here at uh, the Northwest Christian Convention, the 170th. We are in season two of How About We Do This Together, and we're recording interviews with the guests and speakers at this year's convention. Um, I am from Turner Christian Church, and my fellow host today is... Yeah, I am Rebecca Decay. I am uh, co-president with my husband for this year's convention, and we are here interviewing Dr. D.H. Shearer. Dr. Shearer, would you mind introducing yourself? Well, you can call me D.H., please. All my <laughs> friends do. <laughs> you know, I, I remember Gary Tiffin saying to me once, um, uh, when I, uh, I, I referred to him as Dr. Tiffin, and he says, you know, when you're among friends, that just doesn't mean a thing. So, <laughs> so don't do that. Yeah, it's good to be here. Great. 
Um, now, when when I sat down with you for coffee and tea, actually iced tea, I believe, is what we had over at the uh, Turnaround Cafe a couple of years ago. I remember that. I was talking with you about um, missions work in Samoa, mm. and um, and you mentioned how important titles were. And so since then, I've uh, aimed to always honor you with the title of doctor. <laughs> well, that was that was a matter of Samoan culture, yeah. not necessarily American <laughs> culture. And and to be honest with you, um, titles here in America, particularly for those who are involved in ministry, my experience has been they open some doors, and believe me, they close some doors too. Mm. Sure. So yeah. uh, you got to take it in stride. But yeah. in Samoa, they are very much into titles, yeah. yes. and um, and they have all kinds of them that you've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they really re- they really use their titles. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, spe- speaking of Samoa, would well, you just uh, first, sorry, let's, um, DH has been, is our Bible lecturer, I would say, this week. So each yes. morning he is talking to us about our um, passage in Luke, mm-hmm. um, our theme passage. This We're recording on the first full day of convention, and so this morning he gave us a fantastic introduction to Luke as a writer and the gospel of Luke itself. And so um, that's what he's been doing for us, and that's going to kind of guide the conversation that we're having. And so... Um, is to make sure that people know. Right. And then doing. for the rest of the week, uh, we have uh, three more sessions together. We will take those 11 verses of uh, Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11, our theme passage. And I'm going to go ahead and divide those things up into three different groups. And we're going to look at some of the more academic sides. As I said this morning, uh, other speakers are going to be developing themes like what does this passage say about education or about the family or about church outreach or whatever. I am going to focus on the text, primarily on the text. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's my assignment. Yeah, yeah, and if you aren't able to, uh, if you're listening to this and you weren't able to join us, we're going to be making that content available. So we'd love for you to check it out. Uh, but this is its own standalone conversation with DH and uh, mining his his wisdom. Yeah, so DH, I was just going to say, if you wouldn't mind um, uh, giving us a little bit of a history, for those who are listening who might not know you, tell us who you are. What qualifies you to teach us about the scriptures? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was raised in the church. Um, in fact, uh, my uh, parents were charter members of the Woodmont Christian Church up in Kent, Washington, and as the story goes, um, my mother was kind of a nominal uh, Methodist uh, in name only kind of a thing, and my father was kind of a nominal Episcopalian in, in name only kind of a thing. And uh, when they got married, um, they felt, you know, we need to find a church home. This is something we need to do. And their first child, my older brother, was born, uh, but they just didn't. You know, it's one of those things you can always put off, and and they did. As the story goes, when I was born, they said, boy, we really need to get into a church home. <laughs> and so our next-door neighbors um, 
uh, invited our family over for a chicken dinner one night. I was pretty young at the time, but I remember it was chicken. And they invited them to come up to the Woodmont Christian Church. It's a brand new church plant. Um, You can become charter members. It was meeting at a brand new elementary school that I eventually attended. And um, so, but that's when they were first exposed to the idea that we can be Christians only and that we can be just a Bible-based, Jesus-following movement. Mm -hmm. And so they both, as they uh, studied and and, uh, became more exposed to uh, teaching of the Bible, came to the position that they needed to be immersed for baptism. They they were. And so I was raised uh, in the church. We had a small youth group. There were eight of us, four boys, four girls. Three of the boys went into the ministry. Uh, My brother, myself, and a fellow who is currently preaching at uh, Milton Freewater. So that's kind of uh, what our our background, my my growing up. And um, I think uh, tomorrow I'll mention a little bit more about how I happened to get to Northwest Christian College um, and, uh, and some of the 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 feeling of God's call in my life. But what what qualifies me? Well, ultimately, <laughs> I hope it's my faith in Christ mm, and my commitment yes. to his word. Now, <clears throat> obviously, you can look at degrees, you can look at a thesis that I've written or those kinds of things. But ultimately, it's your commitment to faithfully uh, expressing the gospel as you understand it through the pages of scripture. And, uh, I mean, that's my heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are a lot of people with degrees that read the Bible unfaithfully. And there are a lot of people with no degrees that read the Bible very, very faithfully. faithfully. That is true. That is true. Um, and you have uh, a long career in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And actually the main way you and I know each other is that, um, I succeeded you in your the pulpit you retired from here at Turner Christian Church. That's right. And uh, I do. I don't know if I've gotten really a chance to thank you for. Um, we just. I, I feel like you've been very supportive of me in our interactions um, since. I'm glad since you I feel that here. way. Yeah. And uh, I loved your your presentation this morning. I went over and told your wife. I, I told her I, I'm glad you're sitting down for this. But do you know your husband's really good at what he does? <laughs> She was not shocked. Uh, I think she already knew that. But anyway, um, yeah. So, so you are um, you've retired from the pulpit, but you're you're still involved in ministry. You're an Very elder so. at uh, at Woodburn, Woodburn Christian Church. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, but you've got a lot of experience in different types of mi- in a lot of uh, different types of ministry and in education. And so, the kind of theme that we wanted to have for this conversation is about uh, what would you say. If you could call yourself on the phone back when you were uh, just starting out, what what would you want to say to your younger self about the journey he's about to embark on and, and the journey of ministry? You know, I, I don't want to be too trite at this point, but the, the two great lessons is, uh, number one, there is a God, and number two, you're not him. <laughs> now, what that means is that uh, I, if I were speaking to my younger self, I would say, you know, you got to leave some room for the Holy Spirit to work. Uh, 
Mm. I am kind of a planner, a prodder, uh, an organizer. Uh, I don't put things off to the last minute, uh, this kind of a thing. All right. And so there can be times where maybe serendipity can be lacking. And so... um, so I need that flexibility, and I get reminded of that all the time. Another, another thing is, is that sometimes, and I see this particularly in younger pastors, they think they need to be omnicompetent. And by that, mm-hmm. they have to do absolutely everything. They need to do it perfectly well. They need to be theologians and public speakers and fundraisers and community representatives, and they need to be able to counsel at children's camps. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I got news for you. I can't do it all. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, and, And so there are lay people in the church that can do a whole lot of things a whole lot better than I ever could. And so I have learned to rely on them. And uh, that has been an important, important thing for me. And that also means then there are going to be some things in the church that while I may be, how can I say this? I may be in charge. Ultimately, I'm responsible, but that doesn't mean I'm in control. Right. I'm not Mm -hmm. the one who's... I'm, I need to allow people to fulfill their ministries and sometimes just step back and let them go. Sometimes people just need to be unleashed to, uh, to serve the Lord. And I certainly don't want to stand between them and what they feel God is calling them to do. If you believe in the idea that different people are gifted for ministry, as I know we all do, then what a sin it would be for us to get in the way between someone and their giftedness. So just to be blunt, in terms of my own life, when it comes to math and budgeting, and (laughs) listen, I can do budgets and I can do, well, let me put it this way. I can raise money, but I'm not very good with a lot of those little intricate things. Mm -hmm. I need a good treasurer. Mm -hmm. I need a good financial secretary, people who can handle those those aspects. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I've been fortunate that everywhere I've been, I've had that kind of support. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. church has had that kind of support. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the things I had to learn from uh, Dave Bruce, I studied, or yes. I, I worked under him, was um, being, uh, um, being okay with the diversity of opinion in the church, right? Like, like see, I would hear somebody who was giving a communion meditation or was teaching a class saying an opinion, a theological opinion that I knew he disagreed with. And he was okay with it. He would give those people opportunities to speak. It was because, and he would tell me, it's not my church. You know, That's he's, right. he's responsible for, um, he has responsibility there. So you know, not just let anybody say anything, you know, um, uh, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. But when in those areas that we can disagree, even though it's not the perspective that I bring to this, it's actually, it's our church. And we need to give people opportunities to show their gifts, even if it's not the way I would do it or the th- way I would say it. Um, it's not mine. Right. And I've had that. That's a struggle to remember sometimes, um, but it makes for a more beautiful church. One of the things that uh, I, I used to say, particularly about the eldership at Turner Christian Church, because at least at the time that I was there, 
always over half of them were ordained. I mean, they were mm-hmm. retired pastors and so forth. The upside on that was I never had to convince them what the mission of the church was. Mm-hmm. They, always, they always knew. But I used to say, you know, I come to meetings, elders meetings prepared with what I would like to see or what I think is uh, important. And so I might make a presentation about uh, a program or something we might do. And then I would say, And then those elders, they had that annoying habit of taking my idea and making it better. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it happened time and time and time again. Well, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there is a synergy that takes place when we come together as a team to accomplish mission and ministry. You know, I I had that same or a similar experience as putting together this convention. I had all these visions and expectations in my head. And um, one of them is this pallet wall that we have in the back of the tabernacle, which is just not, not a necessity. If it didn't happen, it wouldn't be a big deal. But it was a vision in my head. And when we got here with the pallet wood, we didn't have enough wood. So I went down the street where here in Turner, we happened to have this lumber mill. A pallet factory, yes. A (laughs) pallet factory. And I went in and I talked to the pallet boss and I said, hey, uh, do you have any discarded or or, um, messed up wood that we could use? And he said, I will give you all the pallets you need, but you need to return them. So I had to adjust my vision to fit it. So that's the first part of of, of this Uh, relation is adjusting my vision and being okay as the leader with the vision to adjust it. And, and, and secondly, then having a volunteer, wonderful volunteer, Wally, I don't remember his last name, but Wally, fabulous man. I said to our team, I don't know what I'm doing with wood. I just have the vision. So they sent me a guy who knows how to handle wood. (laughs) And he came in with all his tools and all his knowledge and he didn't get the vision and he did it anyway. He served, he put it together, he, and, and they're beautiful, and, and they're better than what I had imagined. And I just appreciate so much his heart of, um, I don't get it, but I'm going to say yes anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Wally Clausen, I think, is Clausen. his name. Yeah. yes. I, one of my favorite things about doing ministry and enterprise, which is not, it's not rural, it's actually frontier. It's very, very rural. But um, I was amazed at what I would hear from community meditations from guys, they would just tell us what they were thinking while they were on their combine or their tractor that week, Mm -hmm. you know, and people with a completely different background, completely different spiritual sense. And they would say something that just hit me right between the eyes. I think I am so glad that we have farmers thinking about Jesus on their tractors so I can learn from them, you know, and well, this has been one of the things that I've enjoyed being an elder up at Woodburn because Everywhere I've been, I've never given communion meditations or stewardship <laughs> thoughts. And so I have done meditations on hummingbirds. <laughs> I've done meditations on wood turning. You know, that's a hobby of mine and all kinds of stuff. I, um, we would, I would make a meditation about stewardship standing outside of the bank, you know, and we would play that video for the meditation. So it, it's been fun for me to get involved in, in that particular aspect of, of ministry. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so um, I have a question off something you mentioned, because this is an art that I am struggling to learn. You talked about how young pastors need to learn not to be everything. 
and I feel the pressure to be everything. And I want to discern what I don't need to be. But I also know that there are some things where, no, you really do need to be able to do that. You know, Um, there's a place, sometimes you run into a challenge and this is something I need to delegate or it might be something I need to grow to be able to do, right? Mm Because you don't want to too quickly say, oh, I can't do that. I'll just delegate it and never learn to do it as a minister. So do you have any guidance on how a person discerns what to delegate and what to grow in? Well, there are some aspects of the ministry where people will have natural expectations of what they want you to do. And, and to give you an example, you've got, you got kids that are grow up in your youth group, they want to get married. Well, you need to be able to do a, a wedding. And somebody dies, and you need to be able to do a, a funeral. And, and someone is in a hospital, and they want to see their pastor. You don't just say, I'm sorry, I don't do that. Let me send somebody else, you know. So there are, there are some skills that you really do need to develop. The thing is, I think you need to maintain your focus. When you moved to this community, it might be helpful to always ask yourself, why am I here? What, what is God calling me to do here? What are my specific uh, gifts for ministry and, and things that, frankly, only I can do? Now, there are a lot of things that almost anybody can do. And if you spend your time doing all those things, then you will end up neglecting the things that, that you were expected to do. When you were ordained into the ministry, I'm sure they talked a lot about... Uh, preaching the word, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that. You know, the Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do. Uh, too many times we say, actually, this is just one of the many things that I dabble in. Mm-hmm. And you end yeah. up doing so many things that you're really not doing anything well because you haven't been able to let go to allow other people to do things. And there's another aspect, and um, again, I, I don't want to be misunderstood here. It's much easier to get into things sometimes than to get out of them. It's easy to start a program, which may be wonderful, but if that program becomes a life sentence from you, from now on, you have to continue to administer this thing and run it, mm-hmm. then then, you know, if you only have 10 fingers, and if you have to have fingers in every piece of the pie, you're going to have a very small church. And so uh, I know one of the uh, vibrant ministries at Turner Christian Church is the Little Lamb Christian Preschool, which we started when I was there. Mm-hmm. Actually, I kind of inherited um, a, a, good in, a good situation because the church was ready to do things, and I had kind of projected in my own mind, we'll do this in our second, maybe third year. They wanted to get going on it in the first year, so mm-hmm. I didn't want to quench the spirit, and, and off we went. And, and we learned a lot about starting a preschool and what was involved with that. Uh, Marcia Carter was terrific mm-hmm. in all of that. Mm-hmm. But you see, once we got that thing launched, I had to let go. I had to turn it over to others. I did not come to Turner to run a preschool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see? So it's about focus. It's about purpose. It's about what you feel God has called you to do. Yeah. 
Yep, I, I've learned the hard way to think about exit strategies when something. Oh, I gets learned proposed. it the hard way too. Like how, <laughs> how would we close this, and who, how, how, who's going to be responsible for this as it winds down? Right. You know. Yeah. Right. Well, and c- because believe me, your church people—they're going to be thrilled to have you continue to lead all these things and to do all this. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's about well, yeah. But what does God want me to do? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that takes a lot more discernment. I would like to add, it's also, what does God want them to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I felt called to the ministry, uh, ministry of whatever that looks like. I felt called to serve God when I was really young because our church uh, back in Jasper, Jasper Christian Church, they provided a place for me at 13 years old to help prepare communion. I had a place where I could right. serve and belong, mm-hmm. and I knew that I had a part to play. And I think that's also an important part as leadership in letting go is recognizing that those lay people have gifts and abilities that God is calling them to that they also need to grow in. Yeah, that's right. It's it's funny to say being a pastor, but before uh, my best experiences in churches uh, before I entered the ministry were in churches that didn't have pastors at the time. My dad yeah. did some interim work, and so a couple of churches, I was there for the year that they didn't have a senior minister. And when you don't have a senior minister, even with an interim, people got to step up. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sense that happened in both of those churches of, of people coming together and taking responsibility for things. And there was this just unique sense of taking, you know, this is our church, we're going to do things. And um, it was just a, the, some of my best experiences. So then when I came here and I interviewed for this position, I told them, I am not the young dynamic pastor that can come in and bring the whole community in and fill the church overnight. You know, that's not me. I can take a role in this congregation reaching our community because um, we all have a part to play in that. But I cannot be the one to come in and fix this. I just know God hasn't made yeah. me that person. You know, he's called this church to do that. And... Uh, they they agreed to it, so <laughs> <laughs> and you're still you're still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, there's just something beautiful about the church being the church and being right. a family, taking things on together, as opposed to being spectators to a closed team doing right. church for them. Right. You know, the other day, both you and I were at the uh, funeral service for Ralph Holcomb, mm-hmm. who had been in the ministry for, what, 70 years, yeah. and was such an encouragement to me. But I made the observation, you may remember, that, um, well, I spoke about the gospel according to Ralph, and that the gospel according to Ralph, among many things, was a gospel of encouragement, mm-hmm. that he was such an encouragement to me. But then I added, he fit into the Turner Christian Church in such a marvelous way because the whole church was a church of encouragers. Mm-hmm. And so here he was amongst his own kind, you know. <laughs> and, as I, and as I've often said, that uh, nobody wanted me to do good more than the people who had already been doing it. Mm-hmm. And nobody encouraged me more than those former pastors and missionaries and professors. You try preaching to your old theology professor, <laughs> old Bill Richardson, and he would come out and he would say, very helpful after I would preach, <laughs> very helpful. And I thought, what a kind thing for this man to say. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, he never said. Now, have you considered this doctrine or that? No, very helpful. Yeah, 
I, I've had a similar experience. They can, yeah. You told, I remember, I still use your phrase that you said. You said they, they've been my biggest cheerleaders. And that's, oh, yeah. that's been true for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Well, uh, DH, thank you so much uh, for this conversation. Um, and uh, thank you for the lesson that you've already brought and the lessons that you will be bringing. And um, thank you for being part of this network. Um, for those of you that are listening, thanks for joining us. And as I said, you can, re, uh, you can listen to the rest of his content online if you weren't able to join us. And we, as well as the rest of our sessions, they'll be available on our website. Uh, so we'll be recording more sessions. So we'll be back with you uh, next week on our podcast. But until then, how about we do this together? This episode was produced by Austin Schumacher. Theme, written and performed by Scott Riggin. How about we do this together as a podcast of the Northwest Christian Network, a network of Christians and churches gathering together to serve the kingdom and cast their net across the Northwest. Find out more about our ministries and events at www.nwchristiannetwork.com. I'm Chris Dunning. Thanks for listening.